With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Corey Crenshaw. I'm Richie Suave Flores, and this is Sporty with Corey and Richie on the Hockey Podcast Network. But before we start the program, again to the Coyotes' madness from the Toronto Maple Leaf game, among other things, mybookie.ag, you should go there right now. Keep the podcast rolling, though, while you're doing it. And then you sign up for an account there, and then you can go bet on a bunch of different things like the NBA, of course, the NHL, other stuff. March Madness is coming up, the XFL. You can do all of that at mybookie.ag. And then if you enter our special code, you can get some extra cash. Yes, if you enter THPN and you join right now, my bookie will match your deposit halfway all the way up to one grand. That means if you deposit $2,000, you'll get an extra thousand in free money to play with. All you have to do is use our promo code THPN to activate the offer. Once again, that promo code is THPN to get your extra cash for my bookie. Bet, win, get paid. Welcome back in Sporty Nation. It has been a very tumultuous couple of days. Here to talk about it with me is my wonderful and amazing, as always, co-host, Richie Suave Flores. How you doing, Richie? Hello, Corey. I'm still... I think I've finally gotten over what happened in the Maple Leafs game. I think. That was... Banana Lance. It was absolutely crazy to see the reaction and how divided the re- reaction was. It's been a very aggressive couple of days on Twitter. And I mean, Twitter is always very aggressive, but I feel like it's been extra aggressive as of late. And that was one of the conversations that had gotten very heated and it was very much a uh, goaltenders against fans or non-goaltenders. Um, and it was a really heated argument. Yeah, and, and I don't think anybody won in those conversations because, you know, I follow some Leafs fans, obviously, on Twitter, several of them. Um, and, uh, and, like, it was, just a, it was just a shit show on Twitter in the direct aftermath of uh of the Jacob Trickering goal that was called off and then it made was made worse because moments later Joe Denersley fucks up and forgets how to skate and gets beat and the Cowboys lost the game. So that's what made it even worse is that not only did they have a goal taken away from them in overtime, then they then lose moments later on on a, a mistake by Joe Denersley. So Twitter was a mess last night. It was uh, it was crazy, and but we all survived it, I think. And I, I think now about twenty four hour twenty four hours later, I think everybody has calmed down now. So it's not as crazy as it was. Yeah, but now everyone's arguing about the whole Jr. debacle and reclining seats. Oh yeah, including you know our one and only Paul Bissonette, who. Uh, Everyone knows here in Arizona. So he was on the side of the reclining seats. I heard that we were supposed to put our a piece into that. And I mean, um, if they recline, they should be reclining for a reason. I, it's not that I like enjoy having people up in my space, but I don't know why you wouldn't allow someone to do that if, you know, what the chair does. If you didn't, if there wasn't enough space, they wouldn't allow the chair to recline. Okay, can you can you explain something to me? Which is how in the world that whole thing started? 
Did you follow enough of it to understand how it got started or or you're like me who was just like I had no freaking clue that was even going on for most of the day. So like I have an opinion about the the seats thing, but even though I don't fly all that much, but I don't I don't know how it got started. I am not a hundred percent sure. I was following um a fair amount of um I was following a fair amount of uh Paul Bissonnette basically just ripping on a lot of people. Um just basically trolling him. So I was really enjoying him trolling all the trolls. Um he was quote tweeting a lot of them and they're they're really great. So if you want to go back and look at all those, um the one that I had favorited that was my favorite is uh this guy goes biz give it a rest you've spent too much time on this subject he goes yo everyone so mike's going to be directing my twitter schedule from here on out so for any of your negative feedback just talk to him because he's in full control that one was my favorite um but yeah he did a whole bunch of them i don't even know how this started um uh oh well it looks like um it looks like he pulled um, basically what I did um, last night. We're recording this on Wednesday, so that was on Tuesday night, where I asked um, the gold sender um, quarterback if they're too protected question. Um, he asked a question to his many, many, many more followers and said, if you bitch about other people reclining their seat on an airplane, I think you're a buffoon. Thoughts? So he um, initiated it, and people just literally, to use his own term that I use probably way too often, it was it was just banana lands. They just completely went off on him, and then of course the wonderful, um, bicycling policeman, um, of New York, Sean Avery, got his two cents in there because that man is the most OCD man that i have ever heard in his life he could not be more uptight um it some of it is cringeworthy but some of it is hilarious um in case you don't follow any of his stuff um he loves to yell at people who are in the bike lane when he's riding his bike in new york and he videotapes on his um, instagram stories him yelling at people who are in the bike lane um, he's also very big on cleanliness. He cleans his shoes every time he comes into his house and, uh, cleans his street and his neighbor's street. He's, he's very OCD about a lot of things, his skincare. He's a very interesting person, but it's very funny sometimes. So I'm not surprised that he had a strong opinion on that because, um, that's kind of who he is. But so it, it was a whole bunch of back and forth with that. And then of course, the theatrics of the two of them butting heads at the very end of it. It was basically just um, a bunch of craziness on Twitter that I'm sure was really stemming from the fact that Paul Bissonnette was on a plane because that man is traveling, I swear, all the time. Um, One of the busiest people ever. And I'm sure there was an argument about someone reclining their seat on the plane. And so he decided to tweet that. And people like they do on the internet, just lost their minds. Okay, this is, I guess Twitter, once again, is weird. It gets really weird because I, apparently that was, I just looked at his timeline and he's been doing that for like eight hours all day, which is absolutely crazy. But here's, so here's my take on the whole thing. Um, I don't fly enough, you know, to like make it a big deal. So like, I'm very minimalist. I'm like, I'm just going to sit in this seat and be really cramped for however long it is. When was the last time I flew? Oh, uh, I flew to I flew to San Diego. That was the last time I flew, and so that was like an hour flight or whatever, super easy flight. And um, I was like, "Do what you want. I don't care." I'm just, I mean, I'm I'm a pretty tall guy. I'm six feet tall, so if somebody wants to recline their seat back, that's fine. Don't don't bitch at them. Bitch at the goddamn airlines for. Um, pinching every single penny they can and sticking 150 people plus or whatever into a freaking airplane like we're sardines. That's who you should be bitching as the freaking airlines. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's not enough leg room as it is. No matter how you 
like finagle it basically there's not enough leg room all you can really hope for is either an aisle seat so you can stick your leg out which is what like i feel like most men prefer is to be able to stick their their legs out i don't know it's like that whole like opening their crotch all the time <laughs> um so being able to not do wrong. that or if you're like me and you want to try to attempt to at least sleep a window so you can put your head in the little nook of the window and get comfy comfy that way because i'm usually watching something and then like trying to sleep I was just about to ask you that because usually if I'm on a, if I'm on a plane for like an hour um, or whatever, I usually will bring up like one of the in-flight movies or something and watch a movie or whatever. If it's like a, if it's like an early morning flight, I'll sleep. And then if it's like a longer flight from like from the West coast to the East coast or whatever, like I was, I went, I flew to Nashville last year. I flew to uh, Atlanta last year. Um, and um and then I would I usually slept on those flights too. Um sometimes so I listen to like podcasts. On longer flights. Hmm? So I said sometimes sometimes I'll like I'll bu- uh, pop up a podcast or I'll listen to music or something. Yeah, so that's why on um on my flight to Minnesota I was watching something and fell asleep. Um when I when I flew to Florida I I watched a full blown movie. And fell asleep. Um, but then when it comes to like flying to San Diego, I go to San Diego Fairmount. When I flew to San Diego, um, that one, I was just listening to a podcast. And then I'll sometimes like play games on my iPad or whatever. Um, actually, one of my favorite things that's ever happened is I got into a, uh, in the middle of a haboob when I was coming back from uh, San Diego in July um, this last year and um it was the turbulence was absolutely terrible like it was one of the worst bits of turbulence ever um i i listened to a lot of spit and chicklets and i happened to have the uh rick talk it one on and um thank god because uh my boyfriend was about to lose his shit and um i told him to just keep focusing on um the rick talk it interview and it was the only thing that uh, distracted him enough that he did not lose his mind. Um, he's afraid of heights, so being in a plane is not <laughs> his uh, favorite thing. So um, I think it was literally the only thing that kept him sane on that plane flight coming home. And uh, so it's now every time I ever think of that episode of Spit and Chicklets, I kind of have to laugh because uh, Rick Talkett genuinely got us through a flight that we were afraid was going down. <laughs> That's yeah. Yeah. There's, I don't, I don't wish turbulence on anybody. Like, I don't think it bothers me that much. Um, but you know, but I got I, maybe I'm, I'm, a uh, one of the sole people that doesn't care. Like I it just, well, I think it depends like on, on ours, like it was bad enough that we had to full blown, like the, the wind, the crosswind was strong enough that they couldn't land. So they kept on having a circle and then it was like, oh, we might have to land somewhere else. And like what? And of course, the last thing this guy was like, the last time this happened to me, we had to land like out at like or no, no, no. He was talking about someone else. It had happened to them and they had to land all the way out at Luke, um, which is, is for those that don't know, is way, way far west from where we wanted to be. And uh, no joke, I go, well, I guess I will have to call Richie and have Richie pick us up then because there's no way we're getting back from there. (laughs) So luckily we were able to land, but we had to circle for a while. So we were in the turbulence uh, for a lot longer than we wanted to be because of um, how long it took us to be able to land. I'm glad that you made it and landed safely. Thank you. I um I, I haven't been in a plane since, I don't think. <laughs> um so hopefully the ne- my next experience in a plane will be much better. Yes. Yes. Anyway, thank you for your question. Oh, yeah, let me let me make sure I mention who actually asked us that question. Um he is uh oh, at Kyler Murray fan. So thank you at Oh, Kyler, that's a dope. At Kyler Murray fan for uh asking us that question appreciate it 
Yeah, I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad we could chime in on that. That was a, uh, that's an interesting one. That's it. It goes along with one of my like late night ponders. I feel like it's yes, very very along those lines. Yes. Yes. Um, speaking of which, I had gone into a bunch of arguments with um, goaltender interference with enough people that I had posed the question on Twitter whether quarterbacks and um, goaltenders in their respective sports, if they are protected too much. Because during these arguments about goaltender interference, it had been said that um, since Stepan's foot was somewhat tiny, tiny bit in the crease, that he was in um, the goaltender's space, and therefore it was goaltender interference. But it's very, to me, I, the rule itself, which that was the other thing people wanted to defend last night, which was also banana lands to me, was that the rule is um, is great and protects goaltenders and um isn't a gray area it's a massive gray area let's point that out here the rule is the most massive gray area ever it is like pass interference in football there is so much interpretation that can go into it that no call is going to be alike and that's the hard part is a lot of people were wanting to base it off of previous calls that were made and it didn't align correctly and so you get into the argument here of, so Stepan was coming across and the goal is coming up. Who has a right to that piece of the ice? Because of the fact that Stepan initially was outside of the crease and they ended up kind of colliding into each other, but it wasn't intentional on either side. So I, I just felt like the entire thing was accidental and that it, there's, sh- you know, as a player, how can you be paying that much attention when you're trying to screen a goaltender? It's almost getting too nitpicky at that point. So I just thought it was completely crazy that they had gone to this point. But it, it made me pose the question of whether they're too protected. Because that that has always been the question for so long with quarterbacks is, are they too protected when there's always the roughing the passer? Uh, penalties and it, they make massive differences in the game. This one was the difference of a point that a team who is fighting for a playoff spot needed and needed desperately. And it changed the entire thing. The Coyotes lost that point because of this call. So in this situation, like I was saying, do you think that goaltenders are getting to the point of quarterbacks in the NFL where they are incredibly too protected and are treated as way above a player, essentially. That is a, that is a very, very good question, and I will answer that in a second. But quickly, let me kind of give my two cents on, on, that, on the play from last night in particular. So, you know, I went to the rule book last night, and I found that there is a provision – in the goaltender interference uh, rule that essentially states, and I tweeted this out. Let me find it real quick because I want to read verbatim what it says, um, which is basically it. it ha- there is an incidental contact provision, and I have to scroll through all my stinking tweets for the love of goodness. So here is what it says here. Uh, goals should you think be... you tweet too much? I tweet way too much. I was tweeting about the New Hampshire primary <laughs> last night. Uh, I got too worked up about that, um, but we'll digress. This is not a politics show. I go on for days about that. <laughs> but um, I'm sorry, I just had to call you out on that. No, Keep, yeah, continue. I, was yeah, I tweet all the time. So here's 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 what the rule states: um, goals should be disallowed it, only if one, an attacking player, either by his positioning or by contact, impairs the goalkeeper's ability to move freely within his crease or defend his goal, or two. An attacking player initiates more than incidental contact with a goalkeeper inside or outside of his goal crease. Incidental contact with a goalkeeper will be permitted and resulting goals 
allowed when such contact is initiated outside of the goal crease, provided the attacking player has made a reasonable effort to avoid such contact. The rule will be enforced exclusively in accordance with the on-ice judgment of the referees and not by means of video replay review. So maybe that's why is that it went to review so they couldn't call it incidental contact. But I think Derek Stepon had a good case that that was incidental contact. But if I had to... Given time to look at it and talking to people, talking to Kat last night and having her walk me through what happened, uh, I I think it was probably goaltender interference because I, there, was, there was contact. I did there. not know about the first part of that. The first part you said, can you read that again? Uh, yes, let me bring it up again. Um, Goals should be disallowed if an attacking player, either by his positioning or by contact, impairs the goalkeeper's ability to move freely within his crease or defend his goal. And that, I think, is where Stepan got screwed. That's, in that one section right there that you just read. And that's what the NHL said in their explanation for it. And, you know, I think the thing that, that annoys me the most about this is that they overturned the call. Because to me, it should be like the NFL has it in a way with a lot of their reviews. If it's not conclusive, the goal should it should have stood. So in this case, they called it a good goal on the ice. And in my opinion, it was very grayish there as to what exactly was. If it was incidental or not, the goal should have stood. Now, if they would have waived the goal off to begin with, then I understand why they didn't call it a goal. So I understand it. I understand why people are pissed. They probably made the right decision, although I disagree with how they went about it. And and Brad Richardson weighed in about this after the game, and he said it was goaltender interference. So for Coyotes fans who are still pissed about it, if you're listening to this on the, on the Thursday, the Coyotes' own center agreed that it was goaltender interference. Yeah, I mean – in the first, and I defended it for a while that it wasn't because of the fact that it was so, to me, very minuscule, like how much that step on was in the crease. But I guess in off of the way that the rule reads, um, he that he was in it at all, um, basically con- constituted. Um, goaltender interference, it, which is really sucks, and it just—it's a—I don't know. To me, it's such a tough thing because you don't want players to be interfering with the goalie, but in the same sense, you want them to be able to play their position and not having to be worried about their awareness in that situation. It's not like when you're bringing a puck into the zone and you're trying to make. And you're keeping awareness of yourself and um, your other teammates to make sure that it's not an offsides. That is not as much of an awareness situation when you are attempting to screen a goalie to score a goal. There's a lot of things going on. And so I just feel like that is kind of rough. I don't know. I just don't feel like that should be their first worry is getting, oh, what if I get just a tiny bit of my skate in the crease while I'm screening the goaltender that could disallow this goal. That's it just adds another element to me that I feel like shouldn't be there. But now that you are reading that to me, as you did, I I have to agree with you and the fact that it was goaltender interference, but I just, I am not sure I a hundred percent agree with the, um, the rule itself. Well, yeah, exactly. So I'm glad we agree on that. And now, and I, th- I think your point about comparing goaltenders to quarterbacks is is a, a really great comparison, and it's something that both leagues are kind of having to deal with and try and figure out. You know, and because the goaltender interference rule has kind of changed, you know, over the past couple seasons, where they've seemingly where they brought it up now for video review, whereas in the past it wasn't. And there's been so many issues with it now for the last couple seasons. The NHL tried to tried to um, kind of get it figured out, and they still don't have it figured out. It's still basically a coin flip every time, you know. And as far as like as far as like which league is 
is coddling the position more. Uh, I'd say it's the NFL and quarterbacks because goaltenders don't get interfered with or don't get those happenings as often as quarterbacks as quarterbacks do. Like the quarterback is getting pressured every time on every play. That's what your whole defensive line is paid millions and millions of dollars to do is to get that quarterback on his ass and sack him. And so <laughs> I think the NFL has gone too far overboard in protecting quarterbacks. And I think that the NHL, for the most part, has done a good job of not going too far overboard with you know protecting goalies um because it's still like it's still the goaltender interference thing is still an issue but it doesn't come up enough to where it becomes overtly a problem like we saw in the nfl last year i know uh very early on in the season there was a vikings game where i think it was kirk cousin or kirk cousins um or no 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 it was against the packers right Maybe getting my teams messed up, but it was a, involved the Vikings, and I believe they sacked Aaron Rodgers or something like that, and they flagged the Vikings for what was a pretty clean sack, right? And so that's kind of I think is that what probably brought this up to you to your mind? I'm assuming. I yeah no I I do I think know what you're talking about. Um, for those of you that um, haven't listened to our previous podcast, I am a Vikings fan, so um, that is why he's referencing that. But um. Yeah, and it just in general came to me off the fact that, so, you know, uh, for a very long time and, and a lot of people have always, like, I don't know, people always love to br- blame things on Tom Brady. Um, but there's been a, as everyone, like, likes to kind of call it, is like the Brady rule and the fact that they're trying to protect these quarterbacks so that way they can play into much longer of their life in, like, basically quarterbacks can be the one position where you can play until you're 45 or whatever Brady wants to retire at now. Um, which I'm, I'm a, I think Brady is amazing by the way. I'm not saying that in like a terrible way. It just, it's uh, that whole controversy for the longest time has been um, obnoxious of people arguing that stuff out. But um, I, so it kind of came to me in the fact that, so there's so much contact in hockey, right? There's so much that comes into, in you know, if someone's screening your goaltender, you can go in there and you can push that person out of the way. There's a lot of pushing and shoving that goes on in front of the net almost all the time. But even if someone accidentally hits a goaltender or any of that, it turns into a massive situation. And that's part of the thing that I like that made me kind of come to it is like, they're not made of glass. Like in that situation, if he really wanted to, he could have just shoved step on out of the way, you know, like I know you're trying to set up and you're trying to like prepare, but like, if you see someone coming out of your peripheral, I don't understand why they can't just shove someone the way that anyone else would. And that's, and then I, I'm, sure i'm going to get annihilated um by goaltenders and probably by tom because he was arguing with me um all last night about all this he's gonna be really happy that we changed our minds um but i just i I don't know i just feel like they're a little bit too protected at times i i get their significance and i get their importance i mean shit we've been in the situation where um darcy kemper is injured again by, I don't know, some voodoo doll that someone has somewhere. Mm-hmm. I don't get that whole thing that keeps going on with vendors for the Coyotes. But I, and so I understand that the health of your goaltender and the focus of your goaltender is massive, but I just feel like they should, that I don't know, it shouldn't be like they are made of glass. You know, I feel like that's kind of an antiquated view in that it's kind of changing and the people should relax on it a little bit yeah i feel like you know i don't really know much about like old-timey hockey or whatever but anytime i see like old clips of goalies i feel like they were more you know you could do more things like they were um at to goaltenders than you can now for sure like you 
not like you couldn't beat the crap out of them for goodness sake, but like you could, you know, they uh, forwards and and goal scorers had more leeway to kind of, uh, I guess attack goalies more so than they do now. Maybe I'm completely wrong. I don't know. I just that's just me from seeing the highlights I've seen of old timey hockey from like the Gretzky era back in the back in the seventies and eighties and whatnot. But um, yeah, so I hope they I hope the NHL figures it out. Like it's <laughs> it's going to continue to change, and it's fan, something that fans are frustrated about. Uh, same thing with like the offside rule, where that gets revealed all the time. There's a big controversy. I believe it was last week where. Um, the Bruins had a, a a goal that was overturned because of an offside, something like that. So, yeah, I kind of I do agree with you that you should, uh, you know, forward should get more to do, especially when they're just trying to screen goalies a lot of the time. And and like Jack Campbell, he made contact with them, you know, but he wasn't didn't get hurt or anything, you know, like. They're just two guys trying to battle for the same space, which is what you do in hockey anyway, right? You're you're battling for the puck 95% of the time. So why can't the goalie be considered more of a forward at times? But Yeah, and especially when he's, he's, he's beginning to come out of his crease. Like he was leading towards the point where he was um, coming out of his crease. So, and, and then I get it, like, I get the fact that, you know, since he was still in his crease and Stepan had a foot in that he technically was encroaching upon his space. But uh, I don't know. I just think there's a lot that goes into it. And you're you talking about going back to like the old time hockey. It was old time hockey is different in the fact that it was very separated you know there was you had forwards you had enforcers and you had defensemen um as as we all know that until like the, the bobby Orr days like there was no offensive defenseman so the style of hockey is incredibly different today um it's supposed to be a lot more skill oriented um less about um size and brute and there's not really a role for an enforcer anymore. Um, you have a, a ton of really good players in the league that are offensive defensemen. Um, one of our own being um, Oliver Ekman Larson, and um, another one it would be uh, Keith Yandel, who I've always um, had a lot of respect for. So it's the style is completely different, and in the way that the league has wanted to go is a lot more towards the direction of um, less low-scoring games and more higher-scoring games. And if that's where you want to take this, you want to take this sport into a very offensive mindset, then why don't you want the goaltenders to be a little bit more involved that way? Because it would lead to more scoring chances. You nailed it there. Because that's like a lot of complaints for like, from like super casual hockey fans, this in the same way that like non soccer fans complain about there not being any scoring in games, um, you know that the NHL doesn't. There's not a lot of goals in the NHL, which has got the goal scoring has gone up. I think in recent recent years, um, like that's a good. I mean, I would love to see more scoring in the sport personally, but um, that's a that's a good point. So I mean. I think the NHL will continue to do that. Like they've already made adjustments to like goaltenders' pad size to try and give, you know, more room in the net to try and score. So like, like anything, it's like sports have to adapt and and change. Like Major League Baseball came out with something this week where they're thinking about changing their format for the playoffs, where they essentially put seven teams into the playoffs instead of the the five the five that it is now and and then when you make it in teams get to choose their opponents in the first round which would be great so again that's something that the nhl needs to figure out is just like adapt and be more interesting well and that's the thing is it it depends too i think upon the fan base so in the fact of um you know some of the original teams or the canadian teams and stuff like that like i personally really enjoy um 
defensive hockey games and being able to watch it from like a skill point but that's because i understand what's going on and i am interested in the skill that is going on um but doesn't for people who are more casual fans as you mentioned um they like to see the scoring because the fun exciting part you know they can sit there and they can drink their beer and white claw and whatever else and get up and be able to scream and that's their fun and excitement that they get out of the game so you do have markets where like here in arizona um florida any of those ones that you know hockey is not ingrained to you as you as a small child you wouldn't understand a lot of those things and you're trying to grow those markets and so the nhl as a business it is in the entertainment business as is every other sport whether you like it or not um as an entertainment business they're trying to grow their business to people that are not necessarily the most um hockey savvy and that is their way that they want to grow the sport to make it more interesting and 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 like i said if that's the way they're going then you know 100 what we said before that's that's going to have to be where they're going to go is they're going to have to allow people to be more involved because the only other thing that um that fans that aren't really known to the sport um enjoyed was fighting and if they're going to try and move that out of the sport then it has to be replaced with something and speaking of scoring coming up on saturday at here the river arena the capitals come to town i really hope alex ovechkin is still sitting on 699 goals coming into that game because i really 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 want to see alex ovechkin's 700th goal in person that'd be so cool Sorry, Cuddy fans. I may, have just, I may have just pissed you off by saying that, but come on. How cool is that? And if you're going to the game on Saturday, and I hope you are, with Alex Ovechkin in town, and you maybe you're going to see some history, and if you're there and he does score that 700th goal, get your ass out of your seat and make some noise for Alex Ovechkin. Because there's only, what, there's less than 10 guys in the history of the sport that have scored 700 goals. You're going to witness history, possibly, on Saturday. So don't be like, oh... Oh, no, the counties are losing because Alex Ovechkin just scored a goal. No, we're all fans of the sport, too. And I think a lot of us are fans of Alex Ovechkin. And he's one of the best goal scorers of his generation, if not the best goal scorer of his generation. In fact, I will say that, actually. He is the best goal scorer of his generation. So if you are there, that's, this is my PSA for today. My, this is, my, this is my, my Richie rant here. If Alex Ovechkin scores his 700th goal, show some love for the guy, make some noise, give him a standing ovation like he deserves, uh, and I hope I can see it live because it'll be something that'll be like one of the coolest things I've ever seen live in a hockey game. And he is also one of the best uh, Stanley Cup winners of his <laughs> generation because what that man did celebrating with the cup, um, including um, swimming around in a fountain um was some of the best theatrics that i've seen after a team winning a cup like ever so um that man worked very hard for very long for um that cup and and it was one of the coolest things actually that i could have seen and i'm so glad that we were in the era of social media to be able to follow that around because uh yeah he is going to be always known as one of the most decorated because he is breaking records left and right and is on a fast pace he the pace that he is at um people are already making bets and speculations on um where he's going to be very very quickly and and it's a great time to always be a part of um history when it comes to hockey's history because you know, games come and go, but these are the things that will make it into, the, you know, the list of things that you can tell your children. So that's pretty cool. Uh, also, I was wrong. He has 698 goals, so he's two goals away. So maybe he'll score tonight on the Thursday game, and then he'll be able to score 700 uh, on Saturday at Heathrow Arena. I hope he does it. Please, 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 Obi, do it. 
He scored one of his, one of the most, I think, probably viewed goals in the history of the National Hockey League. That like, where he fell to the ice and still managed to score against the Coyotes at at uh, it was then I think it was Glendale Arena at the time against the Coyotes. So if he did that many many years ago, he can do it again on on Saturday. So with that, uh, I'm excited for that. But before we we finish wrap up the show here, we asked for your questions and we got a fascinating question here. Uh, from Mac, he says, after his conditioning stint is finished, who would you insert Hayton into the lineup over? That's a very, very interesting question. And I was trying to think about it today. And I'm not certain, to be honest with you. There's a lot of people that I feel aren't producing as they should but I also feel like it change, changes on a night-to-night basis. You where I'm coming from here? Like, I can't tell you, like, one person for sure. I can tell you one person each game. <laughs> right, yeah. Because there's always one person that pisses me off each game. What are you doing? Yeah, and it was Joe DeNorsley in the last game against the Leafs. For me, anyway. It, yeah, for once it wasn't uh, Jacob Dickerin. Chicken was having some horrible. Oh my god, the the oh god, the Carolina game just made me cringe the entire night. I was like, "What are you doing?" Yeah, and then he comes back, and then he has uh, two goals in two games. He scored against Montreal, had the game winner there, with a great uh, played great in that game. And he uh, after and that was after he kind of messed up on the first goal of that game. Uh, he scored against Boston, had a big goal there. But so to, anyway, to answer the question here about Barrett Hayton, number one, he had the, the Coyotes had to get like special uh, permission from the NHL to extend Barrett Hayton's time in Tucson on his conditioning stint. Give me a second here because I am going to bring up Barrett Hayton's stats in Tucson. Uh, I don't know why I didn't have this up prior to the show. Um but whatever. It is what it is. He's got three points in four games with the Tucson Roadrunners. So uh, he's been playing well down there coming off of that shoulder injury that he suffered at the World Junior Championships where, again, we talk about this, I feel like, once a week on the show where he scored uh, one of the most important goals of the entire tournament for Team Canada with uh, a fucked-up shoulder. Um, so he's coming back soon, we'd imagine. And... I would probably so Michael Grander's been scratched a lot as he should. He he hasn't played that well this year. I've seen him pop up in some possible trade scenarios. Um, he does have a no trade clause. Um, Michael Grammer does, and he has one more year left on his contract after this. So if the Coyotes were to move anybody, I think Michael Grammer would be the perfect option. So he's usually he's been the guy that's been getting scratched lately. So it can't be him. Going through the lineup from last game, uh, uh, I like Krause's game a lot lately. Stepan's been playing really well lately. You can't scratch Kessel. Henestroza has been hit and miss lately. In fact, the whole line of Keller, Schmaltz, and Henestroza has been maybe the weakest link for this Coyotes lineup recently. So for me, I'd scratch Vinny Henestroza. I'd scratch Vinny Henestroza, and I'd put in Barrett Hayton over him. Because my other option would have been Christian Fisher, but Christian Fisher brings a little bit of that that edge to the Coyotes, which I think they'd be sorely missing in the lineup if he wasn't in the lineup. So I think I think swapping out Henestroza, putting in putting in Barrett Hayton and going Schmaltz Keller Hayton, that's the line right there. Hmm, that would be very interesting because yeah, they that um there's not been a lot of production out of uh Schmaltz or Keller. So changing those changing that up could be the difference that they need. Um yeah, I was going to say like off of mine that it would be kind of um moving him around and and taking people who weren't playing very well on various nights and moving him around until they found a spot that was um good for him because that's definitely something that uh Take always kind of leads towards is um moving things to make things work um the way that you know cuz he 
he's very he was always very a person that kept in pairs and then would move a third person around um so he's definitely used to doing that so i would that was going to be mine but i i don't oppose to what you said either because i think that would be a, a fantastic place to start and clayton keller we talked about mo- a lot on this show how he's so streaky and you know, I'm I'm banking on the fact that he's going to find his game again in the last 15 games of the season and get really hot. And it's the same thing with Nick Schmaltz. Clayton Keller hasn't scored a goal since January 4th. He scored two against the Philadelphia Flyers that night. Hasn't scored a goal since. He's got three points in his last 10 games. He hasn't been performing uh, the way he should. Uh, Nick Schmaltz, on the other hand, uh, looking up at him quickly, uh, he's only got three points in his last 10 games too. And, uh, he only has one goal. Uh, he has one goal. He has, uh, two goals. He has two total goals since December 31st against the St. Louis blues. And to me, that's like the biggest problem with his team right now are those two guys. If those two guys can start clicking, then I think the Coyotes will start winning a lot more because obviously that top line right now isn't a problem. And for the love of goodness, stop. Any Coyotes fans who are reading this garbage about trading Taylor Hall, stop it right now. All you media hacks out there who are trying to propose this happening, stop it. If you're blaming Taylor Hall for the Coyotes' struggles of late, you aren't watching the stinking games. He's been the best player of the Arizona on the Arizona Coyotes over the cross of 25 games he's played. He has 20 goals and or excuse me, 20 points in 25 games. The Coyotes the- have killed for that kind of production over the last 5 years and they're getting it from him and yet for some reason people are still trying to scapegoat him. The whole point of bringing him here was to try and keep him here. They had a dinner with him and his agent for that reason it's a try and keep him here so trading him it doesn't fit with the long-term plans everyone knows chica always comes in with a plan and i doubt his plan was to trade him within the same season yeah so and i'm glad you mentioned that dinner uh from pure lebron had this um uh, alex marullo um and his uh, and Taylor Hall and the agent for Taylor Hall all met. They had dinner in Montreal. Apparently, the contract didn't really come up, from what I understand, because they've already been on record saying they're not going to have any contract talks during the season. But I'm so glad to see that Alex Marullo cares so much about this that he was willing to go all the way to Montreal and have that discussion. To me, that shows how much Alex Marullo cares about turning this team into a winner because in the past that probably doesn't happen with other owners of the Coyotes. I wanted to make a, a, a mention here at the end about Bo Meester and I just wanted to make sure I had up to date information for everyone because, um, uh, you know, I, d- I didn't want to say anything that wasn't correct because I hadn't seen any up to date information on him since, uh, last night when he, um, when he suddenly basically just, fell um passed out on the bench and was sent to the hospital last night off of a um cardiac situation and he was um responsive after they used a defibrillator on him and um he was transported to uci irving medical center and um it was the father's trip so it was also probably really tough for his dad who was there um, so it was, um, I just was reading up on that. So, sorry, I was doing a little, uh, multitasking there and, and then missed the end of what you were saying. I apologize. <laughs> calling myself out. <laughs> yes. Uh, we, uh, of course are wishing, hoping the best. It sounds like he's recovering fairly well from, from what happened. And, uh, so scary, scary incident. They ended up canceling the rest of the game, which was 110% the right call. None of those players would have been okay continuing on in that hockey game um, when they literally just watched their friend, their teammate, their competitor, who literally just got off the ice and got finished with the shift, collapse on the bench. Um, Impressive, impressive job by the Anaheim Ducks medical staff there. They got to him super quickly, and uh, and they were able to get him to a hospital super quickly. Uh, And um, as far as we know, everything is doing well, so that's good to hear. I don't know a prognosis of when he may return to the ice, but 
you know, this reminds me a lot of the uh, Rich Peverly situation uh, with the Dallas Stars many years ago, where he collapsed on the bench. Uh, I don't, th- and then he never played another game in the NHL. And then for Coyotes fans, of course, yeah, he had a AFib, which apparently they knew about, but it wasn't severe. But um, he ended up having um, a, a problem because of his AFib. That's why he didn't play again. Yeah, yeah. So we'll, and then of course uh, the most. Uh, a prominent example for Coyotes fans is, of course, Craig Cunningham, who collapsed on the ice in Tucson and nearly died, probably should have died, but uh, he made a, a recovery, um, and he was part of the Coyotes organization for a little bit uh, as a scout. He um, he is no longer with the Coyotes organization as a scout. I, don't, I think he still does some stuff with the Roadrunners and whatnot, but glad to hear Jay Bomeister is doing okay, because that was a scary, scary incident. Uh, which that was happening like pretty much right as the Coyotes game was wrapping up. So I was uh, going full circle of our Twitter discussion. Um, Twitter was was got uh, it got really crazy after the that goaltender interference, and they got really somber really quickly. Oh yeah, it was very scary. I, I watched the video of when it happened, and all of his teammates were very very concerned as they should have been. I mean, they they had even said um, that you know if something like that would have happened in like a hotel room like he could have died but like if there is a bright side in all of this it is the fact that it happened right where they had paramedics and um a defibrillator and all of that stuff because a lot of times ends up being an electrical thing and and that was um i forget what the it's like sudden electrical something for like the what happened to craig cunningham it was just a random like electrical issue with his heart and it just made his heart stop um and so i don't know um what exactly was with um bowmeister in particular but it was really helpful the fact that they had you know uh people to help him that were right there and um props to the Ducks organization and their staff to be able to get to him so quickly and to be able to take care of him. And I'm, I'm glad that they were able to be there and, and save him because that is incredibly scary and uh, extremely, I was, even I was just feeling for all of them last night. It was nothing that you ever want to see because no matter what, like, in the end, hockey is always a community, and as humans, we are all a community, and the last thing we ever want to see is something bad happen to someone, and especially in a public setting like that. You um, just feel for him and his family, and it's always very rough. I'm sure they're getting an outpouring of support um, and whatnot, but it, it's got to always be kind of rough that something like that happened to you um, in front of a lot of people and um something that severe so um our thoughts are with him and his whole family right now and that uh, that's a perfect way to end this episode uh follow the network at hockey for stuff and giveaways and whatnot at hockey on instagram too we'll have some exciting announcements as far as our show is concerned coming up in the very near future so stay tuned for that enjoy the game tonight against ottawa going to be a big game as the Cowboys continue the playoff push for Corey I have been Richie Suave Flores thank you so much for listening until next time good night and good hockey